not. Let's look in John 5 again. Thank you, Brother Jerry, for the preaching. Appreciate the truth. Paul said we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. The proper response to truth is for our spirit to bow to it. Submit to it. That's right. And I appreciate the truth that's been preached to us this morning. Perhaps you are weary with me speaking about the life that we have in Christ, but that's what's on my heart again this morning. So John chapter 5, verse 39. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the Word of God that's been preached to us. Thank You for the faithfulness of Your servant. Spoke to our hearts this morning. Thank You for the Spirit of God that made the truths, Lord, that were preached alive in our hearts. Thank You that we've seen them demonstrated, Lord. And thank You for Your grace and mercy and for Your long-suffering with us. Come to this most fearful place again. I pray that You'd help me. Please, Lord, I beg You. Have no ability, no talent, no reason within myself to do, Lord, what You've assigned for me to do this morning. But I pray that You'd empower us and help us. Not only me, but those, Lord, that are in the congregation today. Please do a work in their hearts so we can receive Your Word with gladness. There be a sinner among us that doesn't know You in the forgiveness of sin. Oh, would You draw them with cords of love today. Help them to know that there's life in Jesus Christ. Whatsoever you're pleased to do among us and for us, we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You will not come to me, Jesus said, that you might have life. Tried to deal this week, and I don't know, uh, perhaps this will be the last time that I stand or whatever, but I've tried to deal with the thoughts that come out of this verse about the death that sinners are born into, the, the death that is theirs because of the Adamic nature that Brother Ronnie preached about last night. The Adamic nature that has every sinner that's born into this world in bondage. The death that shrouds them. The death that keeps them from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said in this text, and I hope perhaps through some repetition we'll learn what this text is saying to us, that Jesus is dealing with with some folks that have saw His works. They've seen Him work the works that no man had the ability to work. We've seen Him take a man that was lame for 30 and 8 years, waiting for the troubling of the water, and command him to rise and take up his bed and walk. And immediately the man received strength. These works had stirred up this religious crowd because they were done on the Sabbath day. They've seen the abundance of His works. They've seen Him change the water into wine. They will see Him work even greater works than what He has done to this point. Even so much as raising the dead back to life. They have an abundance of witnesses. Jesus said, John the Baptist witnessed to who I am. My works witness to who I am. God the Father witnesses to who I am. And the Scriptures in which you have so much confidence witness to me. But in spite of the works and the abundance of witnesses, Jesus says you will not come to me that you might have life. It must be 
that the very thing that keeps the sinner from coming to Christ is the death, the position that they're in. The death of the sinner. The legal death. The spiritual death. And the eternal death that will be theirs when this life is over. But Jesus says, if you come to me, there is life that conquers every layer of that death. And I preached a little bit yesterday morning about the legal life that we have in Jesus Christ. How that because of His sinless life, and because of His substitutionary death, of Him giving Himself for us, those of us that believe upon Him, His righteousness is imputed to us, and we are declared right in the sight of a holy God. That's justification this morning. That's the heart of justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But I don't want to leave you thinking that perhaps this life that Jesus gives us is just a declaration. That it's just a legal thing. That it's just maybe an intangible thing or something that we can't enjoy. He does declare life over His people that believe in Him. He gives unto His sheep eternal life. That's why He's the Good Shepherd. Because He lays His life down for His sheep. He takes it up and then He gives His life to them. But it's not just a declaration that He makes over His people. It's not just a legal standing that somewhere in heaven your record is stamped justified. He does do that. The moment that a person believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, He justifies them for time and eternity. And that's irrevocable. That's undoable. Somebody come by yesterday and said, Brother Chris, you preach security awful strong. I said, because the Bible is awful strong on security. Amen? Let me just say something right there. If in your mind, your salvation is wrapped up in your performance, you will never be secure. You will never be secure. You'll be shifting around unsettled, unstable, and movable by every wind of doctrine that comes along. But when you see your salvation wrapped up in the performance of the Son of God, then you'll realize that He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him seeing that He ever liveth. And I know some are afraid of security in that sense, that it will give people a license to sin, but not for His sheep. For His sheep, when they understand their security, they follow Him into green pastures and they allow Him to be the shepherd of their lives. But it's not just a legal declaration this morning. It's not just something that He stamps in the record of heaven. The life that He gives is imparted to the believer. It is given to the believer. He makes that believer alive spiritually. He gives them legal life because of His sacrifice and His resurrection, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, when they believe, He actually gives life to His people. And I'm grateful about that. I would never know what He has done in heaven had He not done something in my heart. Justification is what God does in heaven. But regeneration, making you alive, is what God does in your heart. And it is real this morning. Listen, I understand that we live in a day where salvation has been reduced down to a set of propositional truths where if you check the box and say yes, then they will declare you saved without there being any evidence of life. But I want to tell you, it is a real miracle where you're translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Where you are raised from the death of trespasses and sin 
hands and you walk in the newness of life. It is what Spurgeon called definite conversion. It is what the Puritans called vital religion. Where God does something in the soul of man to make him alive toward God. Just as when the body is dead, my friend, his eyes don't work, his arms don't work, his hands don't work, his legs don't work, he don't have any pulse, there's no blood flowing through his veins. That's how you are this morning in trespasses and in sin. You don't understand what we're talking about. You can't feel the presence of God. You can't enjoy the things of God. They're foolishness to you because they're spiritually discerned. But in a moment of faith, when you come to Christ, He breathes His life into you. And now you can know the things that are freely given to you of God this morning. There's an example of it in this chapter. That this lame man that I was talking about just a minute ago, he said in verse number 7, the impotent man answered to the question of Jesus. Jesus said, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him saying, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. But Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Listen, salvation is not a question. Jesus asked him a question and the man received no help. Because salvation is not a question. Salvation is not Jesus coming to you and saying pretty please or do you want this or do you want that. Notice what Jesus did. He commanded this boy. He said rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the Bible said the man was made whole. Salvation's not a question. It's a declaration of my friend for you to obey. Repentance is not a suggestion. It is a commandment. God commands men everywhere to repent. Faith is not a good idea. Faith is a commandment for you to believe upon the Son of God. And when you obey the command of Jesus, when He calls for you, and by the way, there is a personal call that comes from the Spirit to the sinner. Listen, I can preach my friend till I'm blue in the face. And that's what we ought to do because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But the day that you live, it'll not be my voice that you hear. It'll not be the voice of one of these other preachers. But it'll be the voice of the Spirit of God Himself when He commands you to rise, to take up your bed and walk. It's impossible to do without the commandment of the Savior. But by the power of the Spirit, when the command comes, He will give you power to obey what He's commanded you to do. Amen. It's impossible for man to repent until God commands him to. It's not natural for man to repent. Huh? You can't take a six-week course from Lifeway and learn how to repent. You can't train repentance into an individual. Right? Repentance is a command of God that's impossible for man to obey until God gives him the power to do it. Right? What is repentance? I'm not good at defining things. I'll just give it to you like I understand it. Okay? Repentance is not you listing out every wrong thing you've ever done. You can't remember every wrong thing you've ever done. 
Repentance is not just a change of, of your intellect to where you change your mind about certain things. And a lot of people want to reduce repentance down to that. Well, it's just a change of mind. That's just where you know you kind of change your mind about different things. Well, it is a change of mind, but that ain't all it is. It's a change of mind that produces a change of action. Best I understand it is that repentance is sort of like this, Brother Tom. I'm walking toward destruction. Huh? In my sin. Walking towards condemnation. Walking towards eternal judgment. And God the Holy Ghost commands by His powerful Spirit for me to repent. And I see where I'm going and I understand through conviction the weight and the gravity of who I am and where I'm headed. And it's real to me. It's not like some spook house thing. It's real to me that I'm underneath the judgment of God and by His power I turn around and head another direction. Repentance turns you from, as Brother Mitchell says so many times, and I was thinking about that, ain't it? Some people can say we're all but a bunch of copycats, but that's about what we are. If it's new, but I heard Brother Milby say in 2000 when I heard him preach for the first time down in Bluntsville, he preached on how to go to church. Won't never forget that message. And I remember him saying that night, he said, if it's new, it ain't true. And if it's true, it ain't new. That's absolutely right. A bunch of my contemporaries want to find something new, you know? But it's the old, old story that has power to save sinners. And repentance turns you from your sin. And it turns you from. It's a change of attitude. It's a change of disposition toward the rule and the government of God to where you lay down your arms of rebellion and you take sides against yourself with God and you turn around to Jesus Christ and by faith you come to Him. And that happens in a moment. Huh? That happens in a moment. And when you do, immediately the Bible said what that text said. Immediately when he obeyed the command of Jesus. Now I could sit there, I, I can imagine that man sitting there saying, Lord, this fellow, he don't know what he's talking about. Tell me to rise up and take up my bed and walk. I ain't got no strength. I ain't walked in 38 years. I can't do what he's told me to do. But some, somewhere in this text, there is the, the faith that he has in what Jesus said. Nevertheless, I'll take him at his word. And when his heart truly changed toward the word of God, toward what Jesus had said, he said, I feel different. Huh? I felt nothing like this in a long time. Well, I get up. I might break that bench. I get up. I ain't carried my bed in 38 years, but now all of a sudden, I've got strength to do it. And he takes it up. He obeys the command of Jesus. Which salvation is obedience. It's what Paul said. He'd been called an apostle for the obedience of the faith among the nations. If you're not saved this morning, somebody said, I can't obey Jesus, but you better. Huh? You better. You better sell it in your heart that no matter what, I'm going to obey what he says. I'm going to do what He says. You may not find the power in yourself and you will not, but I'll guarantee you, when your hearts turn toward Jesus, there will be life given to you to obey what He tells you to do. That's why Jonah said, salvation is of the Lord. It's a work of God. You're right. 
You don't have the ability in yourself. You don't have the talent. You don't have the reasoning that my friend obey what the Word of God commands you to do. But nevertheless, Jesus has the power to do it. And He's great. He is, he is gracious to give it to those, my friend, who come to Him. You will not come to me that you might have life. Yes, it's legal, but He breathes into your soul and gives you actual life to where you can repent and believe where you can live the Christian life. Christ is the Christian life. Do you know that? Jesus is the Christian life. He gives you life to obey Him. He, give, he, he, he does a complete work in you. It's, it's a complete... I hate to even use the word renovation. It's not a repairing of everything that's old. It's brand new stuff. Again, I've heard Brother Milby say that day he prayed at the head of the gully, he come back and felt like a thousand computers was going off in your mind. Huh? Well, God retrofits you with brand new equipment. Now because of the life that He gives you, you can understand the things of God. Now that doesn't mean that when you come up out of the altar or you are pulled... I remember hearing a man talking about being under conviction, pulling off on the side of the road and getting saved. That doesn't mean you'll have a theological degree, which by the way, probably that would hurt you more than it would help you. Huh? I'm not saying you'll be able to give a discourse on justification and regeneration and reconciliation and all these different things, but you'll know something. You'll be keenly aware that God has done something in you and for you. You'll understand that something has transacted, something has changed to where you're a new creature with new desires. They call this, and they say it with such venom in their mouth, they call this Lordship Salvation, where we actually believe that Jesus Christ is who He says He is. Huh? It's kind of like this. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't pick and choose from Him what you want. It's kind of like me walking in the back door back there, and Brother Benson stopped me and say, Hello, Christopher, Junior Kitchens. Junior's allowed to come in. But Chris and Kitchens ain't allowed to come in. Well, I say, hey, buddy, that's impossible. Because all of me's coming in or none of me's coming in. Huh? All of me's coming in or none of me's coming in. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of folks want to get out of hell free card and they want some fire insurance, you know. But that's not how Jesus operates. He sovereignly commands. Amen. Amen. And He makes a change and a difference in the life of His people. He puts life in them and gives them the ability to know Him and understand what He's saying and and discern His Word and follow His direction and and listen and and obey His commands and do what He says to do. You don't train that into them. It's given to them in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the life that they receive. There is training. I get that. But the church has seen the effect of trying to beat a bunch of goats into submission. Huh? We've seen that. We've seen the pragmatism that comes in that they've brought in. We've seen the... I was thinking about this today. A lot of folks are more concerned with what people do than what they believe. But I have found that if a person believes right, they'll behave right. But they don't want to give that doctrine. They don't want to give that what they're supposed to believe because the natural bucks against that. But I was amazed yesterday. The Lord was uh, 
helping us in here. And I was preaching some doctrine. And I saw Brother Larry, I counted in my mind six preacher's wives that were sitting in the crowd. Now I've told people have told me, said, now you're preaching is fine, but it don't help that mama that's out there making cornbread and biscuits and raising them children. It ain't no help to them. But I noticed, Brother Tom, as I was giving out that truth, I counted six preacher's wives just right in the, in the vicinity, and there might have been more who were weeping as I was giving that truth out. Why is that? Because sheep like sheep food. Huh? And why do they like that? Because there's life that's put in them that yearns for it and begs for it. It won't satisfy the goats very much, but it'll feed His sheep because they have life. Jesus says, I give unto them life. It's a free gift. Where He puts it in you and changes your... I was thinking about this. It changes your intellect. It changes the way you think. It changes your whole perspective. Does it not? You see things differently. We don't view the world the same as unbelievers do. The unbelievers see this world as, as yes, it's a mess, but it's something that they can improve through all their different social programs. And if we get a different political party in, you know, and if we just had somebody else running the show, we could fix everything. The Christian looks at this world as a dying, decaying mess that can't be fixed, that needs to have folks saved out of it. Right? They look at the church differently. They look at the church as a bunch of deceived, brainwashed, redneck hicks, you know? A bunch of Bible-thumping crazies. Ain't got nothing better to do. Marx called it the, called religion the opiate of the masses. We just come in here to escape all of our troubles, you know, and, and get numb to reality. But we understand that what we hear from this book is the only true reality. That the world is passing away, but the Word of God abides forever. Those that He gives life to have a completely different disposition toward preaching. Huh? The church I went to pastor at, I'm worried about a lot of them. I know God called me to go there. I, I know that, man. But I'm worried about a lot. I'm worried about a great majority of them. There were certain people that when I went there, because it's a church out of my community, there's certain people that I had built up in my mind that they were special and they were great. And man, they'd get right in there behind me. And then there's other people that I thought, you know, they're just kind of marginal. Maybe they're not real. And uh, the two of them sit on this side, folks. I thought about like that. And then one of them sits over here on this side that I thought was special. But you want to know what I found out after nearly a year of preaching to them? Them folk over there that I didn't think were nothing, man, they got something. <laughs> And that person that sits over here on this side that I thought was everything, she hates preaching. She hates it, buddy. She hates it. I'm talking about, well, get up during the middle. When I read my text and I pray, when I look up without fail nearly every Sunday, she is turning her back and walking out having a phone call or something like that. And strangely, she can't come back in until I say amen and dismiss the service. But old Sister Debbie over here that I didn't think much of, she come up here the other day and she was holding her Bible and she went, I said, what is that, Miss Debbie? She said, I'm feeding oil. I'm feeding oil. 
Now it's funny, some of them other folk like what I was talking about just a minute ago. If we've got some kind of activity going on, or if we've got something going on, you know, that's kind of social, a dinner, or a birthday supper, or something like that, they're all in on that. They love that kind of business. Huh? They love that kind of business. Well, preacher, I think we need to focus on the youth and all these different things. And I, I want to. I want to, but I want to get them young and saved, you know. But they're all in on that kind of stuff. But when I get up and say, now all I'm going to do today, and this is what I've done a lot of Wednesday nights, all I'm going to do today is start, I, I, I went over and started preaching out of Hosea, verse by verse out of Hosea. And I said, I'm going to start in Hosea chapter 1, verse number 1, and I'm going to preach for 45 minutes here, and if the Lord don't get a hold of me, I'll quit at 45 minutes. And if He does, I'll go further, and I'm just going to go verse by verse down through here and explain that. That Old Testament prophet that most of them didn't even know was in the Bible. Huh? And some of them sheep will come up and say, you going to do that next Wednesday night? We didn't know that was in the Bible. Some of them goats come up and say, we think you ought to you know, just kind of explore other things that the Bible has to say. Huh? They don't like preaching, man. They don't like the Word of God. A Bible message bores them to death. But now if I was to get up and hoop and holler and entertain, you know, and do this and do that, they'd come around and say, boy, the Lord really touched you today. They don't have life. And Jesus said His Word's not abided in you because you don't have life. But if you have life, He changes your disposition toward the Word. Does He not preach it, preacher? Tell me what's in that book. Tell me what's in that book. He gives you a different disposition toward the people of God. Does He not? If He gives you life, He gives you different disposition toward the people of God. I've got no confidence in anybody that don't have anything to do with the local church. Right? And I got, I got folks on my role that won't be faithful to the house of God, won't be faithful to the things of God, won't be faithful to the body of Christ, who spend most of their time with unbelievers, huh? who run with the world and act like the world, and they think they're going to heaven when they die. They don't have life. Amen. And I've went to them and I've talked to them, Brother Larry, and I've said, why don't you come to church? Well, them bunch of hypocrites down there. And I've, I used to try to be cordial about that kind of stuff, you know. I used to try to be, I said, well, you know, yeah, we got some folks that's got some problems, but you need to come anyway. But nowadays, I'm just basically saying, and you don't think you're a hypocrite? Amen. Huh? You don't think you ain't a hypocrite? I know these hypocrites down at the house of God. I got problems, man. I got worse problems than what you know. You come up to me and say, well, I heard this about you that's bad. And I'm going to tell you, yeah, and there's 10,000 things that you don't know that's even worse than that. Amen, brother. Huh? But charity, Peter said, will hide a multitude of sins. We love one another. We're supposed to anyway. And if we love one another right, that'll help us to see that we got problems just like everybody else. And we're going to get in the harness together and work and walk with the Lord and let Him perfect us through His Word. And by His Spirit, it is evidence that you have life if you love those for whom Christ gave His life for. Some people only use the church. They want to get married in the church. They want to have their funerals in the church. And then they want to get buried when they die out there so they don't have to pay nobody else. But the Bible says we know we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Amen. And that's in the Bible. Yes, sir. 
I love my wife, man. I do. I love her. We've been married 12 years now. And uh, she is, I don't just say this because it's preacher speak. You know, you're supposed to say all these kind of things, you know, so people will make, think that you're some great man. And go, well, I, you, know, you think, I, I about found out people going to think about you what they're going to think about you. <laughs> you know, I ain't all the way there yet, but I'm getting closer and closer. Anyway, I love Allison. And uh, she's a completely different personality than what I am. I'm a people pleaser. She couldn't care less. She really couldn't, man. But I love her. She's my bride. God gave her to me. He really did. I know what Brother Jerry's talking about because I've experienced it. The temptation to look out in the world and say, well, I'll never be able to find a mate out there in the church, but God's got His finger on one. If He's put that desire in you, that desire not to just not to just gratify and satisfy your lust, but to have a mate. You know, that's a God-given desire. So if He's put that desire in you, He's got one and He'll bring you together at the perfect time. And that's what He did for Allison and for me. And I love her. I love her. But Brother Roger, as much as I love you, I think a lot of you, brother, I do. I really do. We've joked for years about those, preaching those heavenly messages in the nursing home, haven't we? Brother Roger was coming up to me and I say, Now, Chris, now look, I love you and you're all right, but now your wife, she ain't going to do. She's a hypocrite. And, uh, and she's a fake. She's a phony. And I want nothing. Now, you're welcome to come to my house, but she ain't welcome to come. I'm going to say, Bud, if you can't fellowship with my wife, you can't fellowship with me. Amen. I ain't going to fight because I'm not supposed to be a striker, but I'll think awful about it. A lot about it. <laughs> right? And that's how people are, you know, that don't want anything to do with the bride of Christ. Amen. They're saying, I want Christ, but I want nothing to do with His bride. Amen. I'll visit her when I need her, but I don't want any real fellowship with her. But our lives are joined together by this common thread that we have life through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what binds us together. The common thread amongst all of us is not... Our kindred thinking on this and that. I mean, I mean, I know we, we have a lot of standards and a lot of similarities that are the same. And that's great. That's wonderful. But our fellowship is not based upon those things. Our fellowship is based upon the fact that both you and I have had life breathed into us by the Son of God. Amen. Somebody told me one time, said, Camp meeting ain't the local church. I said, well, what do you think it is? Of course it's the local church coming together. Like-minded folk want to help one another. I'm not here to change your mind on anything. I'm trying to be a blessing to you. Because God's given me life. He gives you life to enjoy the things of the Spirit of God. And he does it by the Spirit of God. We're baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. We are filled with the Spirit. How do I know if I'm filled with the Spirit, Brother Chris? Well, let me ask you this. Do you speak yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Amen. Do you? Well, I knew right where they was at when they was quoting one Psalm 136. Because the Lord has put His Word in my heart. Amen. And I speak to myself in that psalm from time to time. 
Spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart one to another. And by the way, what's in that as well is submitting yourselves one to another. How do I know if you're filled with the Holy Ghost? You'll submit yourself to the body of Christ. Away with this idea that there's these rogue preachers that are out there doing it on their own that they don't need the body of Christ. You are connected to the body of Christ and if you're filled with the Spirit, you will submit yourself. Submit yourself to the authority of the church through the under-shepherd that is the man of God and do your work through them by the power of the Holy Ghost. God gives you life to do that kind of stuff. He'll make you love going to church. Will He not? You'll love to shake hands with folks and hug necks and cry and sing, oh, what a day that'll be. That's not appealing to the world because they don't have any life in them. But those that have come to Christ have life in them. They love His Word. Man, I love His Word, don't y'all? Love His Word. I laid down last night Got off the phone with my wife, and she said, "You need to go to sleep." Because I was on the, I was doing Facetime with her, and I was just sitting there, kind of, you know, I was Facetime. She said, "What am I bored?" And I said, "No, I'm just tired." She said, "Well, go to bed then." I said, "All right." I said, "I'm actually already in bed," but I flipped off the light and I rolled over, Brother Tom. And no sooner than I got rolled over, Brother Milby. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart and said, hold on just a minute now. You need to talk to me before you go to sleep. You need to talk to me. So I rolled over and turned on the light. Got down and prayed a little bit, you know. I said, Lord, help us in the meeting. I prayed for Sister Milby again and prayed for some of you and prayed for folks back home. Then I got up and turned off the light, got back in the bed, about to go to sleep. And God said, hold on a minute now. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. So you know what you want to do. You know what you need to do when God wants to talk to you. Open your Bible, Amen. and it really don't matter where. Just open up. Get to read. I don't. I don't. I have never in my life been able to stick to a reading plan. Somebody told me one time said you're out of the will of God if you don't have a Bible reading plan. I said, Well, I don't have one. Never have had one. Never have had one. I've got my personal study where I'm preaching from, but a lot of times I just, all right, I'm in Jeremiah 40. And start reading, and the Lord will speak to me out of His Word. And the reason we love that kind of stuff is because there's life in us from Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus loves the Word? Jesus loves prayer. Jesus loves fellowshipping with His people. I've loved my own, I've loved them till the end. And all that that's in Him, He will give to you when He gives you life. Amen. You're sitting there with a lot of grief and consternation thinking, man, I just don't like Bible preaching. I don't like going to church. I don't like these people around here. So I don't need to get saved. Listen, that's the natural man. When you come to Christ, He'll put everything in you that you need to live the Christian life. Amen? Amen. Amen. May God help us. Thank you for letting me preach to you. Amen.